the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Hey folks, Corey Haley here with week two of our new experiment on topics in leadership. Last week, if you'll remember, we talked about values, but we focused on the importance of personal values. We talked about how as an individual, having a list of your values can be extremely helpful. And if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, I'd ask you to, to take a second, go and, and listen to it. It's under 20 minutes, and we're going to build from where that episode left off. So it makes most sense to listen to that personal, knowing your values episode right now. That's episode 73. Because this week, I want to talk about the importance of organizational values. I want to talk about the interplay that exists between personal values and organizational values and how you need to have both if you're going to run a successful organization. And so today, the what is that people in an organization need to know and construct the organizational values. Every organization should have a list of their values as a collective entity so that they can be effective at what their job is, what their mandate is, so they can achieve their goals. And the why is that the people that are part of that organization have to be a part of the formation of those values so they can fully participate in it. If they're going to see themselves as a part of the organization, as, as a part of the power that can lead it to successfully completing its goals... They need to be part of that. And just like a personal set of values can lead to better outcomes, I also think that if you want happy employees, happy happy partners in any organization, people who stay longer, people who work harder, people who feel fulfilled by their work, organizational values have a huge part to play in that. So let's dig into this. The people who work or participate in or have a vested interest in an organization should really be the ones to form the values of an organization. And that gets really tricky. Why does it get tricky? Because there are so many different types of organizations. And you got to really think about who are the people who are, A, going to be the ones leading it forward, doing the work, And then also, do we have a massive influence or a a large influence on the people around us? Do we have a societal duty? For a school, this means something a little bit different than perhaps a private enterprise, but perhaps not as much as some people think. So in a school, I think that you need your staff. Yeah, that's all your teachers, your support staff, your custodians, the bus drivers. You need to get your students of all ages. But you also need to get your larger community all involved. And you need to hear their voices in the creation of organizational values. 
Now, there's two kind of things that we can talk about here, and I want to talk about the creation of those values initially. Coming up with that list is super important. Hearing everyone's voice is really important. And then referring back to that list of values and evaluating your decisions will, as I said last week, have all sorts of positive benefits. And here, I'd really just ask you to listen to last week's episode. Knowing your values, all of the positive things that come out of having a personal list, the help with decisions, just this time, instead of a person making decisions, it's a collective making decisions. All those things are exactly the same. So I want to jump to another idea because most organizations, whether they're schools or businesses, they've got values already. They've already got this list. They may or may not refer to it. But what I think most places, most schools and most organizations need to do a better job of is evaluating that list of values in a formal way and changing it as needed on a regular basis. You know, first of all, values that are on that list, if they're not looked at, if they're not used, if they're not thought of when making important decisions, there's no use at all. It doesn't help us. And leaders need to come up with a regular schedule and interactive ways to review these values, these organizational values, and make changes just as we would as a person. You know, staff come and go. Uh, In schools, we've got a school year, and we've got a cycle of that school year, and that all necessitates the ability and and the requirement to come back to those values and to make changes as we have new staff, as people come in that need to get reacquainted with the values and then evaluate those. And then as cultural shifts happen, the values may shift and certain values may become more or less important. And just because we don't put a value on our list, it doesn't mean it's unimportant, but we do need to prioritize what is the most important to us. An example of uh, an increased focus of a value, a change over time, I think that I've seen over my career is on diversity and equality. And if we look back at the last few years at those two values, diversity, equality, um, we see see an increased focus. We see that value has taken more of a place in our society and the results of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the push around indigenous rights and equality has made those values a lot more important than it was a few years ago. Now, here's the question is, does your staff and community believe that those values of equality and uh, accepting diversity, that they think that they should take a more prominent place in the actions of your organization? If we don't ask the question, if we don't have this regular interval, we won't know. And we won't be reflecting the needs of our staff, of our communities, and of our students. Uh, Another area that I can think of um, where we've seen a shift, and, and, and this is not a new shift because... There was almost a first wave of environmentalism uh, in the 80s or even before that, and then it kind of waned. Is that idea around the environment and climate stewardship and environmental impact? We see a lot of companies putting focus into this kind of value, being more conscious of the impact that they have on the world. And that's another area that we've seen over time be more important or less important and may be included in your list. Again, just because it's not on that list doesn't mean it's completely unimportant. It just means it's a focus. But I realize that some people might not like this idea of change. (laughs) 
But I would make the case that we need to embrace these changes to the organizational values as this needed part of a response to a rapidly changing world that's around us. If we're not changing with society, especially as a school, we might end up on the wrong side of public opinion. We might end up on the wrong side of that preparation, the trust that people have in the way that we prepare kids for the world of work, for being members of our society. And if we're a company, if you're not in a public institution, it can be devastating from economic and a moral perspective, which is going to affect your bottom line and affect how you see your work. Now, I know that, you know, we've got those traditionalists. We've got in every staff, and, and a lot of people are very resistant to change. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for traditions and long-held beliefs. Many of those are completely in line with what we need right now. But there's also a time when we need to evaluate to see if some of those beliefs and values no longer fit. I can remember in 2012, and even before that, when Augusta National Golf Course, one of the most prestigious golf clubs in the world, uh, the golf course where the Masters takes place every year, one of the most well-known golf tournaments and most prestigious golf tournaments. And I remember they, con- they continued to refuse membership to women up until 2012. And I remember the backlash, and this was an obvious shift that they missed. And honestly, it brought them into disrepute. I know there are people who still will not watch the Masters, who uh, are upset still with what they see as an outward sign of their inequality. And, um, you know, they miss that. We don't want to be those institutions and those organizations that miss the shift. There's also a time when we need to highlight values that make us more aware of the unconscious decisions we make. And so sometimes one of those values that we find important but doesn't make the list needs to creep up the list to make us more aware. Now, we've all heard of organizations who, when evaluating their values, start to take a look at their leadership, only to find it maybe exclusively of European descent or only made up of males. And education systems around the world are going through this awakening now And I think they're being more conscious of their hiring practices to include more people of varied backgrounds and ethnicities and positions of leadership, but we've got a way to go. I bring that up only as an example of a value that I think people understand, but perhaps was buried for a while. And it's an example of how when we look at that value and we then we look at our decisions and we look at what is actually happening, it's a great time to see whether we're being successful at living those values or not. Now, I want to get back to making that list and evaluating that list of values because I I think that we need to have a lot of people involved in the creation and reevaluation of organization values, but I think we need to be okay with not giving equal weight to all the participants. Uh, I think that there are people or, or I would say that the people who are most involved in the work should have the most say. And the people who farther away from the work or who don't have perhaps some of the organizational knowledge should be heard, but their influence needs to be evaluated and, and taken into context. 
And what do I mean by this? Well, in schools, we get this all the time. Of course, we need to hear student voice. But if you're the principal of an elementary school and you have a small child, they can't be the main driver of our organizational values. A lot of times, they have some incredible insights, but they're also not adults. We need to give them the place. We've had also, I personally have had some experience with with evaluating the weight of community voice when it comes to the specifics on education. And don't get me wrong here. I, I know the community has to have an important place in the creation of a school system, of school values. Uh, schools should be a reflection. But here's the thing. is I've seen a lot of times antiquated views on education pushed from community members who are not as informed on current trends in educational research, who are not as informed around modern approaches to education, and who are espousing some, some really archaic ways to go about child development. And I would say that we have a balance there to maintain as professionals, as people who are knowledgeable and who keep knowledgeable about the ongoing trends in education, where we ask, what is the underlying thing that you're getting at? What is your goal? That's the value we want to get to. How we get there, which oftentimes we can get into the weeds, how we get there, I think that that is where we need to take a little bit more control. And that's a delicate balance. That's really difficult, but it's needed. And when it's done right, it will mean that you've got buy-in and support from different members of your community. Perhaps not all, but most They'll feel heard, and you've got trust in a system, a school system, whether that be an individual school or a larger division, that those schools are going to bring up their kids and create, help create members of society. Now, the other thing about values in an organization is that at times, depending on what sector you're in, many of the values are already known. They might not be written down, but there's a societal and cultural expectation. And, and I think schools here uh, are a perfect example. I think that it would be really hard for an educational system not to create a list of values without having things like excellence in learning. Things like maximizing the potential of each individual. Things like ensuring that we not only uh, fill kids' heads and I say that knowing that it's not what we do, but not only do we teach them things and, and concepts, but we also, also include a character education. We teach people to a certain point how to act, how to get along. And these values in the Canadian context, at least, are almost a given. And if they're not included, it might lead to criticism. But the trick, I think, here is to find out what are the expected pieces, what do we have to have, and then where do we focus our attention to make progress in those lesser known areas? That's what I'm talking about. Equity would not perhaps be on that list. Or something I've seen recently in many educational systems is putting additional value on wellness. Wellness, which perhaps wouldn't have come up before. 
And, and, and if you went out into the community, you may not get the top of mind, you know, what are the most important values? But when we look at the impact of schools, when we look at where does the system fall down, we're seeing that we need to focus our attention on that. And that is a perfect example of that continual evaluation and where listing values leads to better outcomes. Now, we already talked about this last week, but I would say here, staff need to have a good sense of their own values. I shared the example last, last week of me working at a big box store and them just pushing values on, on me. And, and my reaction to that was really negative. And I really think that the reason it was negative is I didn't have a good sense of my own values to know whether they aligned or not. And that's why I think your staff need to have a good sense of their own values so then they can, A, have a hand in the organizational values so that they know what is important to them so that therefore they can go on and and say what is important to uh, the organization, how it might align with what they do, and where they can see that there's a fit. But sometimes that fit doesn't happen. And I can't imagine the stress and the unhappiness that would come from working in a place where your values were not aligned in a pretty strict way to the organization, perhaps not all of them, but at a large part. And I think that that's why, for instance, education is not for everyone. I think that's why some people are more happy in one organization than another when their focus is different. And I think that if you are misaligned, if you've got people who are working in your organization and their values aren't to a certain point aligned, this is going to cause people to be unhappy, regardless of the initiatives around team building and wellness that you put in place. And and like I said, I think it's the reason that like any profession, some people just don't work out or or some it's not work for them. Because I think in each profession, there's some underlying values that again are societally and culturally ingrained or expected. And that means we got to do some personal work. And that is not always easy. That's right. For, for your organizational values to be as impactful as they possibly can, people have to know about themselves. And if they don't, well, then the leaders need to help those people who work for them in their organization to develop that list of values, to get this sense of who they are as people. And that's really awkward for a lot of leaders. It's even more awkward for a lot of people who, who work for these organizations. And sometimes we even shy away. In some places, it's forbidden. And I, I know some people get really uncomfortable when we ask them to bring their personal selves to work, when we ask them to bring up personal things about them. And I'm not sitting here advocating that everyone be forced to uncover their deepest, darkest secrets at work. I think that that would probably raise a whole bunch of other new problems. But what I am saying is that at times, as leaders, we need to help people through a process where they can list their own values before we can actually get into the organizational values so that we can actually have alignment. And I think that that combination of both the personal values and now the organizational, when those two come together, it can be really powerful. And it can really help you to work as a team, to meet your goals, to be happy at work, to have decisions almost make themselves because everyone knows, and to work through those times when there are difficult decisions to make. And so what I would suggest for you to do is look at those 
lists of values that you have, perhaps as an organization. Interpret those lists of values. One of the things that we have done with some of the different schools that I've worked at is we've taken the organizational values, the larger organizational values, and we've interpreted them for what it means for our community. If you work in a, in a larger corporation or a larger organization, use that as the influence or the, the inspiration. Take the individuals that you have as a smaller group so they feel empowered and, and, and change a few things. Keeping the intent, but interpreting in a way that makes sense for that smaller community. And I think if you do that, you're going to have a lot more success. And so that's uh, it for this week in our, maybe our second podcast on values, this time really looking at those organizational values. And I hope that you take some time last week to, to go through your own personal values that you've created that list and that you will perhaps now look at your organizational values and think of some different experiences that you can create that helps people think about their own values and then contribute to your organizational values. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Intersection Education Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, and you can also connect with us on Twitter at IntersectionEd and on our website, which is intersectioneducation.com.